September 13th, 2022. We're in Masechet Sanhedrin and Kof Vav Amud Aleph. If you count down in the widest lines, it's five lines down. It's toward the, the middle of the line. The Gemara cites a pasuk which describes the place where Am Yisrael fell prey to that plan of Bil'am that we read about yesterday, where the women come out enticing Am Yisrael. And ultimately speaking, the Torah tells us 24,000 people die in a plague of, of being seduced into worshipping Avodah Zarah. But the Pasuk describes where they settle at that time. Vayeshev Yisrael Bashitim. The Torah describes it as a place known as Shitim. So Mahlokit here in the Gemara, Bili Ezer Omer, Shitim Shema. So as Bili Ezer, take the Pasuk at face value, the name of the place as it was, as it is, perhaps is Shitim. Nothing to read into it. It was just the name of the place for one reason or another. Rabbi Yoshua, Rabbi Yoshua alternatively says it was named Shitim after what transpired there. The reason it was known thereafter as Shitim is because that's the place where Am Yisrael fell prey to Shetut. Shetut means nonsense, means silliness. The Gemara al-Masechet Sotan daf Gimal has, En adam over avera ela imken nichnesa bo ruach Shetut. A person will only sin if a wind, an air of silliness, of nonsense, enters into him. Shene'emar, and Gemara over there cites the pasuk of Ish Ish Kitiste Ishto, the Lashon of Sotan. The Torah isn't spelled with a Samech, it's rather spelled with a Seen, and as a result, the derashah of the rabbis reading a scene as a sheen is kitishte shetut, to be silly, to be foolish. That's what precipitates a sin. In turn, the Gemara says this was a place where they were involved, where their minds and bodies were engrossed in matters of shetut, of silliness, of nonsense. Vatikrena la'am says the Gemara onward that the pasuk says with regards to what they were called to do, so vatikrena la'am elohehen. The women called the nation to slaughter to their, to their, uh, to their gods. It would be the Ezer Omer, what does it mean vatikrena? What were they calling out? In what way? Arumot pag'ubahen. The way in which they called out to them was instead of meeting the women with clothing, the bodies of the women called out to the men because they were unclothed, they were naked. That's vatikrena. Alternatively, Rabbi Yoshua Omer, It's not that they weren't clothed, it's rather that they were seductive to the extent that the men became ba'al keri. They had, uh, they had uh, the ejaculation in, uh, in a way because they were inspired, because they were aroused in such a fashion. That's vatikrena. Says the Gemara, okay, now that we're dealing with the names of places just a moment ago, Shitim, let's talk about another difficult place in our history. It's one of the first upon leaving Egypt. It's a place called Refidim. Refidim is at the end of Parashat B'Shalach, when Amalek comes and attacks us, it's at a place called Refidim. Why was it known as Refidim? May Lashon Refidim. Again, we're taking a break from the Bil'am story, taking a break from the seduction of the women to Am Yisrael, the falling of 24,000 of the all of that we're leaving on the side. And we're focusing for a moment again on Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Yehoshua's two opinions with regards to the names of place. 
My lashon refidim. Why was the name of the place where we left when we left Egypt known as refidim? Rabbi Eliezer Omer again. Rabbi Eliezer consistent with seemingly his approach to these sorts of matters in the Torah. Refidim Shema, that happened to have been the name of the place. So Am Yisrael are there, and the Torah describes the name of the place. That was the name of the place. Nothing to read into it, no derashot to be had. Just was called Refidim Rabbi Yoshua Omer. Yoshua says, no, it was named Refidim because of what transpired there. Wait a second, what happened over there? That Amalek attacked us? No, not that. Something to do with the water? No, what led to all of that was Sheripu Atzman Midivre Torah. It must have been that this was a circumstance where a rifu, rifyon yadai, means soft, means you're not grasping, you're not clasping uh, something with strength. If you're holding it loosely, that's rifyon. Rifu atzman midivre Torah means they loosened their grip, their minds, their essence from words of Torah. That's why we were attacked by Amalek, potentially. We remembered in Parashat Kitese, Moshe did, that what happened? You were tired and you were worn out, tired and worn out. The Gemaraz Derasha is from matters of Torah. You weren't involved in Torah. And as a result, Amalek sprang upon you. Do you have some sort of textual proof along this line that the, the word Refidim perhaps is to be Nidrash as Rifu Atzman, that they loosen themselves from Torah. Shene Emar, we cite a pasuk from Sefer Yirmiyah, Lo Hifnu Avot El Banim Mirifyon Yadaim, which means to say the fathers were not helping the sons, the parents were not aiding the children because of the looseness of hands, as Rashi, because they weren't tightly connected to Torah, which in turn we understand as a relationship with Borei Olam, with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. His aid, his ezer, his ability to help us will not be present at times when we find ourselves disconnected from him. The greatest manifestation of disconnectedness from God is the fact that we're not reading his word, we're not hearing his, his voice. How would we do so? By neglecting the study, the involvement, the life of Torah. Now that we're dealing again with Vayeshev Yisrael Bashitim, we're turning back to that pasuk. Instead of focusing on the word Shitim, let's focus on the first two first word, Vayeshev or Vayeshev Yisrael, the first two words. Again, this is the moments during which Am Yisrael are seduced based on the plan, the plot, the idea of Bil'am. Vayeshev Yisrael Bashitim. The statement here is anytime the Torah uses that word in Vayeshev, they dwelled, they settled down with those words. It's Lashon Sa'ar. You should expect some pain, some suffering to come. Shene Emar, after all, the first of our list can be the one we mentioned. Vayeshev Yisrael Bashitim. What happens afterwards? Sin. What happens as a result of that? Death. Death. We in turn are, 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 um, are given in to the seduction of Benot Moav, and of course the Avodah Zarah that they bring with them. Vayeshev Yaakov be'eretz megure aviv be'eretz kenan vayaveh Yosef et dibatam ra'ah el avihem. We skipped a few pesukim in the middle there, but it starts with parashat Vayeshev, as we know it. Vayeshev Yaakov be'eretz megure aviv be'eretz kenan. And so on and so forth. But you lead right into Yosef. Yosef's story is a tragic story in the life of Yaakov, in the life of our family, in our nation. Yosef's story begins with the words, for all intents and 
purposes. Vayeshev. What's the idea before we go onward? Why is Vayeshev uh, somehow denoting or telling us there's Lashon Sa'ar, there's something painful and torturous to come? What Rashi, I think, is, is telling us at the beginning of Parashat Vayeshev is the solution to this. And that is Rashi's sides from the Midrash. Bikesh oto sadik lashevet b'shalva. Yaakov avinu kirviachol wanted to settle with peace. He wanted tranquility. He wanted a life without endeavors, with life without uh, effort at this point, without the challenges. Miyad kafatz alav shel Yosef, says Rashi, immediately the difficulties, the fighting of Yosef jumps upon him. What he's describing is how our avot, and in turn us, and in turn our nation, are, need to be in a constant state of movement heading on the next challenge. The moment we settle down, the moment it's a Vayeshev, Vayeshev Yisrael Bashitim, Vayeshev Yaakov, the moment we stop the battle, whatever it is, we know this not only in our spiritual life, I'm told we know this in our business lives, we know it in our interpersonal life, the moment we stop striving for conquering the next challenge, overcoming the next obstacle, determining where we're going to be next, is the moment we fall and all the air taken out of us. That in turn, in my mind, is Vayeshev is Lashon Sa'ar. Ve'ne'emar, Vayeshev Yisrael Be'eretz Goshen, Vayikrevu Yemei Yisrael Lamut. The Pasuk describes at the end of Yaakov's life, when we thought there was a chance for a second, a third birth of Yaakov, he comes into Eretz Mitzrayim, Vayeshev, he settles in Eretz Goshen, and it's not too long thereafter that the Torah describes how the end of Yaakov Yisrael's life has arrived. Vayeshev Yehuda v'Yisrael ha-betach ishtachat gafno v'tachat te'eno v'yakim, I assume, v'yakim Adonai Satan l'shlomo et hadad ha-adomi mizera ha-melech hu be'edom. The tragedy and difficulty in the life of Shilomo is, is, in, the, is in the context of Israel settling la beta in their context of each one on their property without the burgeoning, prospering society with the challenges that I mentioned earlier. The moment we have yeshiva is the moment we have tsa'ar as well, tells us the Gemara, hints to us the Torah. Says the Gemara onward, Vet midyan haregu al et bil'am ben be'or the Pasuk describes later on as Am Yisrael finally go and they fight. This is at the end of Sefer Bimidbar, if I'm not mistaken, Parashat Matot. It says, We fight against Malchem Midian, the kings of Midian. We kill them, mentions their names. And then the end of the Pasuk says, And Bil'am ben Be'or, we kill as well. Beharev with knife, we uh, we slaughter him, we fight, we behead him, or something like that as well. Wait a second, what's Bilam doing over there? We know Bilam belongs in Aram Naharaim. What's he doing over here in a war of Am Yisrael against Midian? We weren't expecting him here. This is after the Bilam story. Bilam at the end of the story says, "I'm going back home. Back home is Aram. We know where you come from, Aram Naharaim, and we know that from Pasuk elsewhere as well." And so what is he doing at the time of war? Listen, we handle him, we beat him when we strike the kings of Midian, but why was Bil'am there? There's no simple answer forthcoming in the Torah. So the Chachamim picking up, as they often do, on that gap in the text, uh, they fill it in. Bil'am, Bil'am, what's he doing there? Hatam means there, what's he doing there? Amar bi'ohanan she'alach li tol sechar, 
the suggestion of Rabbi Yohanan is it was his lust, his desire, he's interested in the flus, he wants to be paid. I had 24,000 people from Am Yisrael killed or die in that Magifah, in that plague, as a result of my advice. He had been gone at that point, but he's returning to receive the pay for what he did, for what he set into motion as a result. At that time, there's a fight, and Bil'am is caught in the middle of it and killed. As we've seen many times in the Gemara, and the Gemara picks up on a circumstance, understands the situation. They give you what the people say, and they attribute it to the people's statement. This is similar to what people say. A camel went, and the made-up fable over here, to acquire, to get for itself horns. It doesn't belong with horns, just like Bilam doesn't belong uh, in a situation to get money for killing people from Am Yisrael. The camel, instead of getting horns, has the ears which it initially had and was maybe embarrassed about, those are shaved off. So to Bil'am, went to receive payment for getting Am Yisrael killed, instead of getting payment, he's paid back, his life is lost, similar to that camel who wants the horns and instead loses the ears. Says the Gemara onward, it cites a pasuk now from Sefer Yehoshua. The pasuk in Sefer Yehoshua says, Ve'et Bil'am ben Be'or HaKosim, so the Pasuk describes Bil'am ben Be'or, whom we know, but this time he's not known as a Navi, whom we imagined was a prophet. He's mentioned in our Torah. He seems to be prophesying, but this time he's a Kosim. He's a sorcerer of, sor- of sorts. Says the Gemara, Kosim? Question mark. He was a sorcerer? That's how you're going to describe him? Navihu, he was a Navi, he was a prophet. Amar Biohanan Batehila Navi Lubasov Kosem suggested Biohanan he indeed he began a Navi, but then Rashi suggests as he began to try to curse Am Yisrael, he loses his ability to prophesy, and he's now just working with the darker side of matter, sorcery of sorts. So he begins perhaps with the abilities, the capabilities of Nebuah, but loses it when he attempts to curse Am Yisrael. Uh, Yad Rama alternatively says this takes place afterwards. His many berachot Am Yisrael, you're going to say, are coming from Kosim? That was sorcery? No, that was still Nebuah. He might be trying to overcome it, but that's what's happening. It's only after the fact that the Torah, that the Navi is describing him as Kosim, after he attempted to curse them, but was mevarech, after that's all done, not in the moment, so then he becomes a Kosim. Again, is the individual who tells us, this is similar to, says Rav Papa, what people say. A woman who was married originally to Siganim and Shalitim. Sigan, Sigan is the uh, almost the second in command, the emperors and the uh, the high-ranking officials. She was married to them. She was involved with them. She found herself committing adultery with the lower level, the lower class of individuals. So again, whereas Bil'am initially started off as a Navi, he was with the Siganim, he was with the Shalitim, he found himself, when he got involved in the dirty business, 
uh, with the lower class, with the kosem. What is nagare specifically? Rashi has two show not either nagare is a reference to people who tie um, ropes to boats, that's a lower class uh, job apparently, or alternatively, it's a carpenter. Rashi has that as being a lower class job as well. Either way, you slice it. It's a reference to, again, as if she came from high uh, aristocratic relationships to when she's involved in wrongdoing, lower ones. Says the Gemara onward that uh, the Pasuk that we were citing just a moment ago from Yehoshua says that Am Yisrael killed Bil'am Haregu Bnei Yisrael Baherev El Halelehem. Now, one of two dirashot on this pasuk, Rashi has one, Yad Rama and others have other. Otherwise, the pasuk over here, either because it says halelehem, halelehem sounds like with or together with, their corpses instead of corpse, and your reference to Bil'am, it says corpses, why in plural? Okay, that's either the one uh, approach to the derasha, that's Rashi, or alternatively, we knew we were talking about Bnei Israel. Why is there a reference again to Bnei Israel? Either way, you slice it. What the pasuk is teaching us suggests the Gemara. Amar Rav bo arba mitot Either the fact that it says Bnei Israel, which means the punishments of the nation, they leveled them all on Bil'am, or Halalehem, many corpses. We're imagining this as if there were many corpses because what was done to Bil'am was all four methods of death penalty, Sekila, Serefa, Herig, and Henek. How'd they do all four to one individual? So Rashi has one approach, Yad Ramah has another. Yad Ramah says everybody stood by, and on the count of three, you had people who were ready to strangulate, people ready to burn, people are ready to, to stone and so on and so forth. Count to three, they all did it at once. That's one approach. Rashi alternatively says one took place after the other. Rashi at the top uh, right-hand corner, it says, So he was hanging, and underneath his hanging, they, they lit a fire. They cut off his head. So technically speaking, he's dead already. He falls into the fire. So explains, explains Rashi, the tilia, the initial hanging from the tree or from the rope. That's the beginning of strangulation. By cutting off his head. That's the beheading. That's the second death penalty. It's when he falls down to the ground. When he falls, actually not on to the ground, but into fire, Haino Serefa. The problem with Rashi, Yad Rama points out, is that's not all four death penalties. He only dies from one. He dies from the beheading. Therefore, Yad Rama says it happens all at once. Either way you slice it, it means we really handled Bil'am bin Be'or in a very gruesome and, and, and uh, vengeful way. Says the Gemara onward, Amar lehahu minalir bihanina. So the, there was some heretic, some non-Jewish individual, maybe a Christian, who speaks to the bihanina and asks him, asks him, Misha lecha. Do you, did you ever hear Bil'am bar kamahava? How old was Bil'am at the time of his doing, at the time of his death? Amar le responds to bihanina. It doesn't say in our Torah how, how old he was. However, the Pasuk does say in Tehillim that people of blood, meaning people involved in, in killing, people of mirma, people of trickery and deceit, they won't even live to half of their lives. So that's a Bil'am individual. He caused death, he's trickery, he's deceitful won't reach half a life. What's half a life? Well, Yemeshin Oteno Bahem, Shiv'im Shana, a lifespan, according to Tehillim is, a standard one, Shiv'im Shana, 70 years. If the Pasuk says, Lo Yehesu, they won't reach 
half of their life, it means he was less than half of 70. What's less than half of 70? 34. 33. So he says, from the fact that the Pasuk in Tehilim tells us, He was either 33 or 34. He was around that age. That he must have been, because otherwise we wouldn't have a fulfillment of these Pesukim in Tehilim. Asks Rashi, wait a second. You told me on the last page, on Davkov Vava Mudalif, if you recall, there were three people a part of that uh, uh, advice to Paral. Remember, it was Yitro, Iov, and Bil'am. That advice was early on in our, uh, our uh, servitude in Egypt. It means that Bil'am needs to be over 210 years old. He couldn't be a, a, a young 34, 33-year-old. He's got to be an elderly 210-year-old. It's just not possible. Answers Rashi. And you'll see this from time to time, and you have to remember this lesson, not all Midrashim agree one with the other, says Rashi. Rabbi Hanina clearly is disagreeing with that Midrash, and that's okay. There's one opinion in that Midrash, and there's another opinion in this Midrash. Again, alternatively, you could suggest Rabbi Hanina agrees with that Midrash, and that Midrash, more than anything, potentially was teaching us a lesson, was teaching us the character trait of Bil'am. We understood who Yitro was. We understand the, the typology, the individual of Iov as well from the Shiloshahayu Beotayetza, which means to say we can very easily uphold this while at the same time accepting that fully in terms of the message that it's teaching. Says the Gemara Amarle, says the mean, says the heretic back to Bihanina, Shapirka Amarta. You said very well. What do you mean I said very well? You know the answer to how old Bil'am was? Yeah, I'm involved in archaeology, says the heretic. Are you kidding me? Lididi hazili pinkase de Bil'am. I found some sort of notebook, some sort of, uh, some sort of uh, transcription from the time of Bil'am. And it says in it, it says in it, Bar taltin v'talat shenin Bil'am hagira. The crippled, the maimed, remember Bil'am, we said, was missing one leg, or one of his legs didn't work properly. He was 33 years old. Kadkatiliate, when he was murdered by, when he was killed by, Pinehas Lista'a, when he was killed by Pinehas, Pinehas. Now again, we don't know per se, says Rashi on our Gemara, that Pinehas killed uh, Bil'am. We know Pinehas was, was the hero of, you know, at that time period, so maybe the war was known as Pinehas's war. Uh, that's Rashi's suggestion. Alternatively, it was actually Pinehas. That's the Gemara statement over here. Let's just conclude it with one last line. It says the Gemara, Amarle mor bere de ravina libere. Mor bere de ravina turns to his son and Keep in mind where we are in the Gemara. We just concluded all the derashot, a page and a half, about Bil'am. Bekulehu latafish lemidrash. Lebar mi Bil'am. And he says, on all of those mentioned in our Mishnah, remember there were four non-kings who don't merit Olam Haba. Don't spend, latafish, don't spend too much time making derashot, explaining the pesukim that surround them and their circumstances, except for Bil'am. The other three don't spend as much time on it. We did, we spent plenty of time on Bil'am. What's the difference between Bil'am and those other three? Uh, so one suggestion is that Bil'am, this mahluk between the Aharonim, Bil'am was, uh, was, was uh, a non-Jew. The other three were from Am Yisrael. So perhaps the reference is, when you're talking about a non-Jew, someone outside of our nation, you're talking about their downfall, 
right, then you could talk about it. If they were an evil person, so talk uh, openly and widely about it. When it's an individual from Am Yisrael, it would be an embarrassment to our nation. Alternatively, Ben Ishchai in his book Ben Yehoyada suggests that the interpretation to this line that goes as follows is if you recall the Gimaran Daf Kofdalit said that each one of these uh, we had a Beraita that said this they ended up meriting Olam Haba they lost it but then they ended up meriting it so in turn if they're mentioned in our Mishnah why would they mention our Mishnah if they ended up meriting it perhaps suggests Ben, ben Ishchai it was in order to give them the necessary embarrassment so that they'll merit then the world to come Olam Haba we saw him express that himself based on our Gemara that he's not getting Olam Haba if he's not getting Olam Haba so his mention in the Mishnah is not sufficient so mention as much embarrassing features and explanations and details about his life and doings as you'd like. The Gemara will go onward. We'll begin with it tomorrow to deal with Do'ig, who's the next mention in our Mishnah of those who lost their, their portion in Olam Haba. Baruch Adonai Olam. Amen.